we are talking today about the Waymaker, who made a way for us. Amen? Amen. You guys can be seated. We're going to have a great day today. Thank you, Ben. Well, I'm excited about today's sermon. I almost lost my voice from the first sermon. So if that gives you any indication, I will lose my voice by the end of this one. God's got something for you today. Whyever you showed up, and whether just to check it out, or whether just because this is what you always do, God is going to surprise you today. He has a divine appointment for you to leave different than when you came in. And that, that is the best news I can give you. Today's sermon is, um, I heard this when I was in my 20s, some of the, the seeds of this sermon from a rabbi, and I've never forgotten it. And today I get the, the privilege of speaking some of the things that he talked about. I'm, I'm very excited about it. This is our second to last series in, about the cross. As we dive in today, we're going to look at some ancient holy days that God himself instituted in the Old Testament. Ancient festivals, holy holidays. You see, the Hebrew New, New Year would kick off around the end of September with a holiday called the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah. Say Rosh Hashanah. The Feast of Trumpets would come with the blowing of the shofar, the ram's horn, to, to call us to attention, to call our spirits and souls to attention to what God's going to do in us. And this would begin what's called the 12 days of awe. And during this 12 days, you would fast. You would abstain. It was hard but you were centering and you were searching your soul. Now, they did this because the new year was coming. And in the new year, you want a fresh start, don't you? In the new year, you want a, a clear vision for what your, your, your year to be like. And you want to leave some things behind you from the past year. Isn't it great to leave some things behind? It is. So the, the 10 days of awe would come with this deep soul searching and repentance and, and through the fasting and the searching of your heart and you would say, God, I want to start the new year right. And as a community, the people of God would say, God, as a people, we want to start the new year being cleansed. Cleanse us for the new year. And then after that, you would prepare yourself during Rosh Hashanah because the next high holy day was coming, Yom Kippur, known as the Day of Atonement. Now, this holy day of atonement was essential and significant in the life for any who considered themselves to be a, one of the people of God. You see, the atonement means to cover over, and this was the day where your sins would be covered over for another year. Now, God left intricate instructions for how these festivals would go. Intricate instructions. And today we're going to be in Leviticus 16, probably a place you like to study, you know, once a week. Leviticus 16, it's near the front. You can find it in your Bible. You're welcome to scroll on your phone or follow along on the screens with me as I read. I want to start in Leviticus 16, verses 3. This is how Aaron, who is the high priest, is to enter the temple sanctuary area. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He's to put on the sacred linen tunic and the linen undergarments next to his body. And there it is, Orchard. Your reference to underwear in the Bible. Right there. The undergarments. The sacred undergarments. He's to tie a linen sash around him and put on a linen turban. And these are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he even puts them on. Now, we don't have a high priest robe investment here at the orchard because it comes with a lot of gold and jewels and it's very um, 
I was going to say inspiring, but it's very expensive too. <laughs> so, but we do have a high priest with us today, and he's going to come forward. I want you guys to have a picture from today's sermon. I want you to have a picture of what God is doing here in Leviticus. The high priest in those days would walk in front of the community, and he would take his place. Because on the Day of Atonement, he was going to go for us to God. He was going to put our sins, he was there's going to be an exchange where we, the people of God, our, our sins would be taken from us. And the high priest was the one to be the intermediary, the mediator. Now, remember, he has to go through this bath and he has to put on these certain robes. And, and then we read here that Aaron has to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself in his household. The whole thing starts with him getting cleansed and purified. You see, you want your high priest to be purified and power washed because he's about to go in front of God with your sins. And if he goes in God's presence and he's not purified, what did we learn happened a couple weeks ago? He dies. That's why they put a rope around his leg and they could pull him out if it went bad. So you want to know your high priest has been purified in God's system. Now, we have to understand what's going on here, this, this sacred, ancient Day of Atonement. Scholars, some scholars believe that the, the Temple Mount, during, during the Second Temple period, could hold over 200,000 people. So you can imagine how full it is as the people on this, this holiest of days, they show up because they want to see what's going to happen. This is important. 200,000 people packed in, massive, huge place, they have a temple built to God's specific instruction and design. The, te- the temple was where God's divinity would come down and dwell with our humanity. And it was a beautiful spect- spectacle, this whole thing. And we have the sacred undergarments and garments and, and they have the headpiece. You have the temple, the gold, all of these things. Just from the outside, it would look inspiring. In fact, if you search for ancient sources, we find accounts of those who describe what they saw. Listen to this. This is in a letter written to Erasius. It's a firsthand account of seeing the high priest in action. It was an occasion of great amazement to us when we saw Eleazar engaged in his ministry and all his glorious vestments, including the wearing of the garment with the precious stones which he was vested. There the priest's appearance makes one awestruck. A man would think he had come out of another world. And I emphatically assert that any person who comes near to the spectacle that I have described will experience astonishment and amazement beyond words. This is just somebody watching this moment. What what we're seeing here is that there's more going on than meets the eye. Something's happening here on the Day of Atonement. Things are lining up as God has given instructions and the people are following through. It's not just a guy in special robes. It's not just a sash. It's not just a sacrifice. There's something bigger afoot on the Day of Atonement. You see, on, the day, on this day, the high priest, in front of all the people, he would be doing what God asked of them. There was a, there was a deep and holy exchange that happened with God's presence and the community. God's presence would do for the community of people what we could not do for ourselves. And by the way, all, the, all these festivals, all these sacrifices, we always go, like, what is it for? What is this part of the Bible for? The, this part of the Bible is the story of a God who wants to come down and be with his people and dwell with them. That's the story of the Old Testament. 
And so, so we have to be pure like he's pure. And he made a path and a way for that. But it's the story of a God who wants to come down and dwell with his people. And I just want to tell you that thousands of years later, beyond that, and even into today, we have a God who's still the same. And his desire is to be and dwell with his people. And he's made a way. That's what God does. Leviticus 16, 7. Then he is to take two goats. The high priest takes two goats and presents them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. They're going to cast lots for the two goats, and one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. We have two goats. One gets sacrificed. And I could already see some of you are like, what is he talking about today? What are we doing? What are we going through? Believe me. So we have one goat that's going to get sacrificed. And you're like, oh, that's a, that's a bad deal. Hold on. Wait till you see what happens with the other goat. Okay? But the other goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert to be the scapegoat. So, I always thought this would be easier if we had a live goat. Don't you guys think? Let's see if we get a live goat on stage. Because if we have the priest, what we need is a goat, right? A nice goat. Let's go ahead and bring bring our goat in. Now, before you see the goat, and some of you go, oh, and get attached, you're going to want to know what happens to this goat before you, like, give it a name and get all close with it, because you're not going to want to be close to the goat, okay? So here is our goat. Here is our priest. Now, about this goat, can you guys track with me as you watch a goat? Is that cool? About the goat. Now, the goat, the scapegoat, the word used here for scapegoat is Azazel. Now, the word Azazel has much discussion around it, and some people believe it's this demonic word with all these other things, but the word is in the Bible talking about this goat, the scapegoat in Leviticus 16, the Azazel. And Azazel comes with an image that that the goat Azazel, the image is taking away. That's what Azazel means, taking away. Take away! Take away! So we have this, this word, Azazel, to take away. We have this ancient goat, the scapegoat. And imagine with me hundreds of thousands of worshipers coming together to begin their year. We begin our year by having our sins atoned for, our sins take, taken away. And we're all gathered together as the high priest begins to do his work before God. Leviticus sixteen twenty, When Aaron the high priest had finished making atonement in the most holy place, the tent of meeting in the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat, the Azazel. And he is to lay both of his hands. We're going to see this. He will, he will lay both of his hands upon the goat's head. And then he will begin the long, the long issue of, of placing our sins. Let's keep reading. He both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and all the rebellion of God's people, all their sins, and put all of it on the goat's head. So you're watching. We, the community, would be there watching as this goat, the Azazel, is brought before us and our high priest stands up and begins to move his mouth as he is confessing your sin, my sin. And he is confessing those sins onto the head of the Azazel. He shall send the goat away in the desert in the care of a person appointed the task. The goat will carry itself all the sins to a solitary place, a faraway place, and the man shall release it in the desert. You see, the high priest would put the sins of the entire community upon the head of the Azazel. You, me, your friends, your family, 
your enemies, all of us as a community, all of us on this day, at this time, the day of atonement, our sins on the head of the goat. Now, let's be honest. As humans, we don't do a very good job of letting our sins down, do we? About letting go of guilt and shame. We like to carry those things much longer. But right here in this time, in in the ancient of days, the, the high priest in this moment would transfer our sin to that goat. Tradition tells us that the person, there was a person given the job to lead um, the goat away, and this person wouldn't be one of the community. This wouldn't want to be one of us. It would be a Gentile, somebody completely out of the community. Now, why is this? Because none of us want to be around this goat. This is carrying all of our sins on it, right? You don't want to be the one, hey, hey, Billy, can you take this goat? Billy, can you take this goat out of town? Because, <laughs> but you want somebody to take the goat out of town because you don't want to have all your sins on the goat and have it like show up three days later in your backyard. This is one loaded goat. Your sins, my sins, our sins are on this Azazel. So, the priest would confess the sins and then it would be led away. And why is this significant? Because these people in this text actually believed that God literally would remove their sins. Could you imagine believing that? Can you imagine believing that God could remove your sins from you? Now that would be good news, wouldn't it? You see, this day of atonement, when the goat left the temple, when the goat left the camp, our sins would go with it. And we would watch this whole thing happen. See, this day of atonement, at this moment, this moment right here was at the core of what it meant for for these people to live a redeemed life, forgiven and called to what God would have for them, to leave their sins behind upon the scapegoat. As the goat carried our sins, we don't have to carry our sins any longer. Thank you, God. Thank you that for another year our sins are removed from us. And so I just want to ask you here today, here today, what are you carrying around? What sins are you carrying? What shame, what guilt are you carrying? What junk, what garbage are you carrying in your life that God doesn't want you to carry any longer? I mean, have you been cheated on? Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been abused. And you are justified. You feel justified because I will, I will never forgive them because they do not deserve my forgiveness. But what you're carrying is actually eating you alive from the inside out. And what we learn from this is we need to lay some things down and set some people free because it sets us free. In a room this size, some of us are carrying around addictions and and woundedness and lusts and sins and idolatry, guilt. And today, is there anything, is there anything you walked into this place carrying that God would say, I don't want you to carry that any My son didn't come and die so that you had to carry this through your life. You see, this was what the Day of Atonement was for, to take an honest and courageous look within yourself and then give over to God to take away what we don't have to carry anymore. And on that day, when the goat would leave, we, the people, would know that our sins, our guilt, our bitterness, our sin, our shame, our baggage would leave with it. Can you imagine how they reacted? Can you imagine how they responded when the goat would leave? Do you see why this is important? 
You see, the high, high priest would go over there, he would do his confession on the head, he would lay both hands on there, we would watch the picture of this happening. And we would, we would, we would be somber. This was a sacred silence as we would watch our high priest confess all our sins. This would be a heavy, heavy somber moment. At this very moment, our sin would be transferred to the Azazel. Now, at this point in the ceremony, there's a tradition that we find in two ancient sources that after the priest was done confessing the sins of the people upon the ghost, there was this tradition that he would grab something. He would grab a red cord. He would grab a red cord. Now, this red cord he would place upon the head of the Azazel, symbolically. He would place it on the head of the, of the Azazel, symbolically. This is our guilt. This is our sin. This is the blood that we should shed that he is taking upon himself. And this red cord would be there on the head of the Azazel. And then the priest would take that cord and he would place it in a place in the temple where everyone in the community could see it. We could all see the symbol of our sin. The writings would say the goat is, le- is then led away. Now, sometime later, this, this, is, this is in their manuscript, sometime later after that day, it said that, that this red cord that everyone was looking at, this red cord, and no one knows what time it would happen or why it would happen. They think, some sages think maybe it was when the Azazel would go out and die, it would happen. But at some point, this red scarlet cord that hangs up here for the community, it would turn pure white, miraculously as a visual representation of God saying, listen, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's one thing. We see this red cord in the ancient commentaries. But if you look in Leviticus, you don't see mention of this red cord. But if you look deeper in the Bible, there's a connection here. If you take this historical context with this cord and the zazel, and you read something I'm about to read to you in the prophet Isaiah, you will say, ah, I see what he's referring to because Isaiah 118 says this, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Now, was Isaiah just speaking of colors or was he referencing a powerful symbol that those people would have visually known as they saw it happen before them? My sins, though they were red as scarlet, are now white as snow. He takes away our sins. God is continually doing his redemptive work and and he's declaring, I no longer hold your sin against you. Now, we keep going. Leviticus 16, 22. Then the goat will carry carry on itself all the sins to a solitary place so we could have the goat leave the building. And we would, we would watch in somber silence as we watched our Azazel being led away. And the priest would return to his place. The person appointed the task would Azazel, the Azazel, take away the goat. It's removed. It's no longer here. Your sins are removed from the community. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a series about the cross. Come on, let's, 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 let's get going. And so I just want to have you turn to John 19. The book of John 19. I want to see if you can make some connections this morning. 
You see, John is telling us here in 19 that Jesus is standing before a powerful man named Pilate. Jesus is bloody and beaten. He's standing before Pilate and a crowd of people, his community, an angry mob is standing there in front of him. Now, Jesus' own people, his own community, have said that he is guilty. Though Jesus was without any sin, they have taken what they thought was sin and they have placed it upon him. And so it says here, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. Now, if I held you down and some burly guards forced a circle of, thro- of thorns upon your head and those thorns would pierce your skull, your, your head from the back, the sides, all the way to the front. And as your skin was punctured and as your skin bled, what color would the ring around your head be? Be red. So Jesus stood before the people with a scarlet crown. A few questions. Azazel, what does it mean? To take away. Second question is this, and some of you um, may think you know. I'm, I'm excited to see this. When Pi- and don't answer out loud, just answer to yourself. When Pilate was standing next to a beaten and crimson-crowned Jesus, and he said, here is your king to the people, what would you have me do? What did they yell? They yelled, crucify him. Crucify him, right? That wasn't what they yelled first. John 19, 15, but the crowd shouted, take him away, take him away. Jesus was bloody and beaten, standing before the community. They believed he was guilty. Jesus, the scapegoat for their sins, and they are yelling, take him away, take him away. Ah, zay, zol, ah. Another question. When Azazel was led away from the Hebrew camp with their sins, what kind of person led the goat in the Old Testament? A Gentile. John 19, 16, when Pilate finally handed Jesus over to be crucified, and with that, Jesus was beaten more, led outside of camp by Gentiles. You have Jesus with a red ring around his head, You have a crowd chanting, take him away, Azazel, and then Gentiles lead him out of the camp. And what am I saying here? What am I getting at? Well, Jesus is our Azazel. Jesus is is ours at the cross. Jesus takes away our guilt, our shame, our past, our woundedness. Jesus takes away the things that we hold on to, the burdens, the junk, the garbage. And so today, is there anything you need to place on our divine scapegoat today? Is there anything you've been carrying with you from your past, from your present fears and your future that God says, I don't need you to carry those because we have a God who doesn't want us to carry those things and provided a way in Jesus that we can lay them down at the foot of the cross to be taken away. Is there anger or bitterness, unforgiveness, addiction, lust, materialism, guilt? I mean, you know your list. You know yours. What is it? What is it you've been carrying? Because Jesus died on the cross to be our Azazel. So as we go into communion... The goat is gone. Symbolizing that we live with the consequences of our decisions, we no longer have to live with the shame of our sin. 
I have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. You have been set free. So we're going to go into communion. It's going to be a short communion today, okay? If you're new with us, I want you to know that you don't have to take a class, that this is symbolizes the blood and body of Jesus. And he said, it's a, he said it's an open table if you want to take it in remembrance of him. And today as we take it, because I got more to say afterwards, as we take communion, I want you to sit there with the symbols of his broken body and shed blood. And I want you to ask Jesus, who said, I take away your sin and shame. I want you to ask him, what am I carrying that you don't want me to carry any longer? Ask him that courageous question. Because there's some things in this room some of us need to put down. We've been carrying for decades, years, weeks, whatever. It's time to set it down. So let's go into communion. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray in this time that you would speak clearly and let us know what it is you want to take away this morning. That we can leave here unburdened from the way we came in. Amen. Let's take communion. Now, in these ancient days, when the goat was gone, the people would celebrate. 
they would rejoice this culmination of this holy holiday of Day of Atonement. The high priest had done his duty. God had done his work, and we have watched our sins leave. And so the next time someone tries to remind you, because we have an eternal scapegoat, don't we? The next time someone tries to remind you of your past, maybe you look around the room, and you look at them in the eye and say, I don't see a goat around here. You see, the next time the, God's enemy, the accuser, tries to accuse you of what you've done or who he thinks you are, maybe you just say, the goat is gone. In fact, any time that someone would want to remind you of how terrible you are, how condemned you are, the shame and guilt of what you've done, maybe you just say, the goat has left the building. The goat is gone. It carried, it took my sins away. Now, how many of you sitting here watching this high priest today have wondered, is he going to stand the whole time? Isn't he tired? Oh my goodness. Uh, he just had to stand there the whole sermon. Well, in the Day of Atonement, what happened with the high priest is he would have the whole Day of Atonement, but then he had to do it again next year. But not even just next year, he had to do it the next day. You see, there was always some ritual, always some offering to be giving. And as these, these priests would, would work and work and work. And you got to do the whole thing next day of atonement. You see, they had all these duties. And you can understand the people's desire, the community's desire, as we watch the high priest go before us, go for us into God's presence to see if our sins were forgiven, to see if the cord turned white. At some point, can't there be just like one sacrifice and to get it all done? Do we have to keep doing this every year? Do we have to keep doing this every day? Like, can't there just be one sacrifice? Couldn't it be that my sins and your sins at some point because of one sacrifice could be forgiven? They would ask that. And they would say, man, if that ever was true, that would be good news. Well, Hebrews 10. The law... The law, this old, what we've been talking about, this Old Testament, is just a shadow, a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the reality themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeatedly, endlessly, year after year, make perfect. Those same sacrifices cannot make perfect those who draw near in worship. Because if those sacrifices could make it perfect, they could stop being offered. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have to have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual, David told me, annual reminder of our sins because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins forever. Day after day, the high priest stands. It's exhausting and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away the sins for all time. Can you just see the exhaustion? Day after day, he does it. Time after time, he does it. He goes to the next verse. But when this high priest, who's our high priest? Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect those who are being made holy. You see, Jesus, our high priest, did the work one time that these high priests had been doing for generations One time, one sacrifice 
I mean, for generations you had purifying and, 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 and garments and, and sacred garments and two goats and offerings and laying on of hands and everybody hoping that the goat wouldn't come back and hoping that the cord turned white and, and hoping I'm forgiven and, and, and no more. Because Jesus did it. The high priest once and for all died on a cross, took our sins upon him and rose again. The work is finished. When our high priest had offered for all time one sacrifice, he sat down. He sat down because the work was done. Or to put it in his terms, it is finished. One time. Now before I end, I have to tell you something that blew my mind. It's a bit of information we find in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is, is written and recorded by the, the rabbis and the sages um, about what happened as they encountered God. It's like a commentary. It's the, it's the Hebrew commentary on this Old Testament. It doesn't carry the authority of the Scripture. It's what they experienced as they followed God. Now, they begin to write about the red cord again. <laughs> you, you remember the red cord that they would hang up so everyone could see that our sins have been forgiven? I mean, that it, it turned white for generation upon generation upon generation. They begin to write about it again because 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the red cord that they hung up in front of the community, it stopped turning white. And so they just filled the, like, oh my God, they were talking about it. It stopped turning white. It always turned white. It's always turned white. And it stopped 40 years before the destruction of the temple. Now, the people writing this are sages and rabbis who reject Jesus. They're just recording what is happening. Why would the cord stop turning white around 40 years before the destruction of the temple? Well, the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. And 40 years before that was around the year A.D. 30. A.D. 30 was around the time when Jesus died on a cross and the veil was torn, and sin was forgiven once and for all, and the cord from that time on never turned white because that system was now ineffective because they didn't need a high priest anymore. We had our high priest. Our hearts had turned white. We didn't need a cord. At that moment, now in the moment, in the moment, back in, back in the Old Testament, when the priest was going to sit down, because this priest is going to sit down here in a moment, okay? He's going to sit down. I want us to think about what would have happened in those days. After the goat leaves the building and the priest sits down, how would those people have responded? Would they have gone, oh, amen, and gone back home? They would have cheered. They would have hugged their kids. They would have tears in their eyes, high-fiving people, hugging enemies because things are forgiven. And here's what I want to say. Today I want to appropriately respond to the news that our high priest has sat down. And so, I've seen some of you, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't do that in church. I am I'm dignified, I'm reserved. I've seen you, you watch a football game where there's men in tights that cross a line with a ball and you cheer and go wild and you hug other grown men and you cry. And, and, and I've also seen some of you at concerts where you will stand for hours, hands raised, yelling, losing your voice for people you don't know. Well, today we have a high priest we know who gave his life, who sat down on the work. So we're gonna respond appropriately, but not yet. Today we're going to celebrate that the goat has left the building for all time. Because of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, his sacrifice has taken your sin and shame away. 
today. I think we should celebrate that the high priest, our high priest, has done all the work that no other sacrifices are needed, and he sits down at God's right hand because it is finished. Do you think that in a moment you could celebrate with me? Not calm, not collected. Your sins have been taken away. The work is done. And now you can't do this kind of celebration sitting down. So some of you are really going to struggle. Not yet. Don't stand up yet. But, but there are times and places in life and in church where we should celebrate appropriately the things eternally that need to be celebrated. And I believe our high priest doing all the work for us is one of those moments. And so our high priest right here is going to symbolically sit down showing us that our high priest in heaven has sat down once and for all. There is no other work to be done. And when he sits down, I want us as a church to respond appropriately.